All right, welcome to the podcast. My name is Robert Berger, joined by hosts Lee Griffin and Scott Boris. We don't uh, have to bother asking them how they are, because they are always great. We are going to jump into 61.113, the private pilot privileges and limitations uh, for your private pilot li- pilot private pilot's license, basically what you can do uh, with a private pilot's license. Uh, we start out with A, except as provided in paragraph B through H of this section, no person who holds a private pilot certificate may act as pilot in command of an aircraft that is carrying passengers or property for compensation or hire, nor may that person for compensation or hire act as pilot in command of an aircraft. Uh, basically, you need a commercial pilot's license to do the majority of that, with the exceptions of B through H, which we will get into now. Uh, section B, a private pilot may, for compensation or hire, act as pilot in command of an aircraft in connection with any business or employment if, one, the flight is only incidental to that business or employment, and two, the aircraft does not carry passengers or property for compensation or hire. Basically, uh, an example of this would be like if you had you had a job where maybe you're sent out for meetings all over the state, or you and a, a coworker are sent out all over like the state. Like a salesman type type thing? Is that what you're Yeah. And basically kind of you picturing? can yeah, you can use your private pilot's license and your plane to go do that, those business meetings, those sales conferences, or, or what have you, um, because it's it's not like that's just a byproduct. You're just using the plane to facilitate this other thing that has nothing to do with aviation and nothing to do with flying. It's, what if uh, what if your company purchases a plane and you happen to have a private pilot's license and they're like hey can you go get that plane for me go pick that up for me and fly it back for him is that would that be legal lee yeah yeah hell yeah well here, here's a here's another good one let's say you own a farm and you have one of your you know uh, a fellow you know farmer that works for you works with you co-owns the farm with you they have a pilot's license you have a airplane and a grass strip can they go pick up you know a farm implement or some part for a tractor that broke and bring it back. Um, and let's say you pay that person uh, hourly. I don't know. I don't know. Incidental guess, business. Yeah. Uh, hypothetically. All right. Say you worked on Kelly's Island and you had a plane. All right. Don't know anybody who falls into this. Yeah. Uh, somebody, very hypothetical. Very hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. So say somebody gave me like 500 bucks because uh, they want a bunch of specific liquor bottles that's not available out in the island. And, yeah. You know, liquor costs like half that. What if I were to run over to the mainland, grab those, buy them, and then come back, and I'm up, you know, two hundred fifty dollars? Is that is that breaking the law under a pilot, private pilot certificate? I mean, you know, if an individual were to do that, it sounds like they're getting paid to move cargo. What I could have, I could have hop- hopped on the ferry yeah, and done it the same like way. It. What if I what if I brought the Boston Whaler to work yeah. that day instead of the plane, and I just I would run the Whaler back to Sandusky Bay? Is the Coast Guard going to? I guess the, a, a commercial boating license. I, I guess the question. What's well, got? I would assume that it. I would assume it'd come down to: Are they paying you more because you're using an aircraft? Like, if you were, if they said, "Hey, I need you to go pick this up for me." And they didn't ask you how you were getting it. You're just on the clock being paid hourly. If you happen to use your own personal plane, I don't think it would 
matter. Now, if they're like, hey, we need this really quick, so I'm going to pay you to fly your plane and do this. I'm going to pay you extra. Then I think that would probably be, I don't know. That's just what I would assume. Well, that's kind of how that situation would have broken down, I I think. Like, they're like, hey, if this, you know, this bottle of liquor, this load of liquor was available on this island, it would cost us 500 bucks. That's what it would be retail. But we know it's cheaper on the mainland. You have the way to get it quickly. And it doesn't matter to us that there's 250 bucks left over. But that's not up to them. That's you as a private pilot or commercial pilot, hypothetically, you know. Yeah, but he could have just taken the ferry and done it. Okay, yeah, take the ferry and done it too. But that- we're talking about the federal aviation regulations. I don't know anything about boating or commercial well, goods and cars. Well, okay, well, I mean, well, yeah. Do I need a CDL to do a, a Ricker run? Wouldn't that be the similar? Like in my car? I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I don't have a CDL. Uh, I think that's a little different, but wouldn't it, wouldn't that be the same as a wouldn't that be the same as like if the company I worked for decided to buy a if the owner decided to buy a plane and was like, "Hey, can you go and pick this up for me? You got a pilot's license, and I I'm sorry, so I just your, went and did your it. job. How would that be any different than them? Are asking you is him your to go pick um, up job for title for that for that job? Is it a pilot, or do you have a no. second? What's your job title? So you just happen to be a worker there doing yeah, acts. Just, yeah. Yeah. And it's coincidental that you have a pilot's license and an airplane at your disposal. Right. And what are you getting paid? Are you just getting paid your hourly wage? I'm just getting paid my same salary, my same salary. Your same salary. Yeah. And you go, I would, I don't remember exactly what scenario you painted, but I assume that sounds okay. Yeah. What if the hypothetical that Rob posed was different? I think his was above, above and beyond. Well, I'm assuming the the salary. I guess it would come down to did they did they pay you for the did they pay you extra for the expense in the the hypothetical situation? uh, They would have paid me for just going to the mainland to get the liquor that they didn't have on the island. See, I I think you're good then because you just used your airplane instead of the ferry, which I don't, I don't yeah. think that makes any difference. I don't know. That's just my opinion, but <laughs> be. yeah, I have no idea. I, th- yeah, I, I think I, I think I disagree, but I tend to be a little bit more on the, well, yeah, that side of things anyways. Here's an, here's another hypothetical. Let's say you work for a flying company, a flying uh-huh. service. Uh-huh. And, uh, one of their aircraft breaks down somewhere, and you don't fly for them. You just you just work there. You you know, let's say your line service or something. But you have a private pilot's license, and their aircraft they need a, to get a mechanic to their aircraft, and you are on the clock and you fly their mechanic to the aircraft. Is that legal? I would say yeah. If they did not pay you extra, no, just on the clock, just. You're on the clock anyway. Yeah, you're getting paid your hourly wage or salary, whatever the case may be. And then they paid you for fuel or they paid you for something like that or nothing. Well, I use their, let's hypothetically, this is a medical situation. I used one of their their aircraft. They had an extra aircraft, not my aircraft. I used theirs. I would would say that would be fine. 
The difference is, I want to go back to the first example that Rob pointed out, the first hypothetical. Um, Was that pilot, were they only a private pilot, or did they, at the time of this event, hypothetically speaking, did they hold a commercial pilot certificate? The the Kelly's Island? Yeah, this hypothetical. The the hypothetical. Kelly's Island. Let's say, yeah, they they had a commercial and a CFI at the time. Yeah, so I mean, I tend to think uh, that I mean that that changes things a little bit, right? Oh yeah, I was just using a. So we're painting a scenario that they only had a private. Yeah, that they only had a private. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That I that that is a good one because I mean, don't you guys agree that one is tough? I I mean, I understand we're both we're all taking stances. That's why I brought it up. Out of it, that is a tough one. What if Rob? What do you think about that? Over a business. Yeah. Well, I want to get Rob's take on the one you just brought up, Scott. With the the business, yeah. like not being a pilot, but yeah, if you're a, with a you company that has a bunch of airplanes. They, they ask you to fly. Yeah, they, let's say hypothetically, one of their planes broke down on an island, and they needed to get a mechanic to the island, but they didn't have any other pilots available. And you happen to be working at the airport at that time. They're like, "Oh, he has a private pilot's license. You fly this." mechanic over there so he can fix his plane for us no it's um that's that, yeah that's i would the scenario I, I would think that wondering. that's okay because it's not it, it just happenstance you're fully qualified to fly the plane uh, like persons or property for hire but i am but i'm getting paid yeah but it's but incidental i mean so you know you read this everything is yeah. incidental to that employment this so this is yeah. Scott, I mean this is a perfect example because this type of situation happens all over the country because so you're oh, bringing yeah, up sure like it that it's one of their airplanes that's broke down somewhere but there's a lot of places where there is a mechanic who also happens to be a private pilot Has a private pilot's license and then he's yeah, going to work on a customer's that airplane. Yeah. That type of stuff happens yeah. all the time, and I'm not saying that that makes that that oh, makes yeah, the sure. scenario you you've painted wrong, you know, okay or not okay. But it's it's very common, and I'm sure a lot of people do wonder if they're skirting skirting the law when they do this. But I would have to say all it's right. it's just yeah, it is purely incidental. incidental are property, right? Don't you think, yeah. Rob Scott? Yeah. What do you think? Persons yeah. are property for compensation or hire. I agree. I, I, I mean, don't think it's illegal. We're doing it yeah. for. Now, what if, what if, let's say a let's say a business owner is like, hey, can you fly over my business and get a aerial photogra- a photograph of it for me? And you sell that picture. That's commercial. You're not selling the the flight, you're selling the picture. That's commercial. Okay, Rob, don't you agree? What do you think? Even I, though I'm you're not, not sure, I've never I've never thought about that before. Aerial photo- aerial survey. I, I think it's I. I yeah, but I think it's okay because you're not selling the the flight; you're selling the photograph. What if okay, so let's paint it backwards. I I think if they hired you, tow a banner. I think if they hired you and they said we want to, um, we want a photo from the air from a plane of our property. I think that's hiring out. You'd be skirting more than say if you say you're just flying around as a private pilot taking photos of places and then you get some good photos of like you know some rich guy's property or like a business or something and then you then took the photos and tried to sell them after the fact and you pop in and say you want to buy this i think you'd be totally in the clear in that second situation the first one i'm not so sure about yeah what would you say lee yeah i don't know i 
I I would say that's probably that makes sense. Lee, I mean, I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to think. I mean, because it is there's somebody out there who's going to listen to this be like you guys are stupid. You know, obviously it's black and white. This is this this is that, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, somebody's gonna um but right. I mean, so you're talking about the difference between somebody seeking out, Hey, I want a picture of this and you're going to take off in that airplane (laughs) for the purpose of doing that versus, Hey, I was already up flying and it was a good shot. So I took a picture, right? Is that the, is that kind of the, what we're debating? Yeah. But you are, you are making money off of, you know, you're making money off of flying an airplane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I mean, I know that kind of doesn't fall. You know, they talk about, you know, um, the uh, cargo or passengers or pers- persons or property. I mean, I, yeah, I know this isn't quite, but you think about the things that do need, do need a, the the commercial pilot's license. Yep. Banner towing, okay. pipeline patrol. I think that's different though, because you, you have a, in those know, situations, you have a full time yeah job where you are required to show up and get in an aircraft and fly it every day. So my question would be if you're going to go fly a drone and what would make what would make because the drone is that's a real threat to that the aerial photography stuff that we are bringing up. Oh I think it's already I think it's already taken over that well much I mean probably 98 percent yeah. Because it's pennies on the dollar to go do that drone. There's yeah. rare instances where it makes more sense oh, yeah. to use aircraft than a drone anyway. Yeah, there are definitely instances where it's a no-brainer for sure. And, you know, I, I know some individuals that are still actively doing it, and that that is a thing. They've Their business has gone down because of the drones, um, and that, that makes sense to me. I mean, that's 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 where we live in, and that's the free market system. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, I mean, it's good, I, I guess. I mean, it's not good for pilots, but... So you like let's say you're a drone operator, you buy your drone and how are you going to backpedal when you're selling pictures? Well, I was out flying my drone anyways. Yeah. No. How are you going to backpedal that? How is that different than well why'd you have your camera on your airplane? You look at it. If you look yeah, at it from like not, a 1 was that 108 that covers the drones, the reg? Ah, uh, something like that. When you look at it yeah, from maybe. that perspective, I can see I can the look. argument that you're making. My 107. My opinion on it is that my sort of opinion on it is that nobody's ever going to enforce it. So who well, cares? It, <laughs> yeah, but we're running, like, a, we're running a show about the, it, the regs here. So no, no, I know. I understand that. I'm just saying like my, me personally, like if some, if somebody was like, Hey, I'll, I'll pay you 200 bucks. If you take a picture of my house, you know, am I going to tell anybody? No, I'll probably just take the 200 bucks. Well, and and, I mean, anyway. and think we're, you know, we're in Ohio here. Well, Ohio and Florida, whatever, but you know, whichever, wherever you want to camp, you know, anywhere in the lower 48, you got to think the stuff we're talking about is every single day in the state of Alaska. Right. Well, it's, it's a, it's interesting topic. I just think that most people do it and don't say anything about it. You know, most people don't care because. Oh yeah. We are sp- there's probably a lot of private pilots that 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 do things to make money and don't just don't report Ab- it. Absolutely, I mean, and I'm, I mean, it's been going on like that since the beginning of time. It's never going to end. You know, the the FAA is not going to enforce it because it's. Yeah. I don't want to say grandfathered, but it's just they kind of turn a blind eye. Some they're not going to. I mean, it would yeah. suck a lot of the lifeblood out of general aviation if you really did enforce this kind of stuff. 
Rob, what do you think? What's kind of the final thoughts on this? Yeah, one? that was, yeah. On this I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh, I just, I don't think they really have the means to enforce it either. I mean, how, how would they know that it's going? Yeah. On? <laughs> yeah. But it's just, the flying is such a different structure than, you know, a patrol car driving around on the road in the two dimensional space. You know, right. they can't tailgate yeah. you. They can't get, you know, intercept you, I guess, if it were aviation. You know, it's just not, it's never going to, I don't think it will ever be policed, you know, adequately to really enforce all the fine letters of the law. It would be difficult to do. It takes you know, so much resources not, to to go yeah. after a lot of this stuff, but um, we're talking about what, what technically is the law. Yeah. I think as, I think as long as you... Yes. Scott, what are you saying? I think pretty much if you're not, if you're not like hauling passengers and advertising, you're yeah, probably they, not going to get in trouble for it. Right. I mean, think of the you know, numerous. If I, if I put a sign out in front of my local airport and it's like airplane rides or, or uh, airplane flights to such and such location or whatever, obviously I'm going to get in trouble. I don't have a commercial license, but as long as you're not doing stuff or aerial photography like services that, or anything like well, that. Yeah. If you don't advertise for it, you just do it here and there i don't think anybody's right in advertising that's kind of the key you know when you start talking about the you know the 135 you know the the uh, non-scheduled you know charter flying and stuff like that you know you hear these terms holding out things like that you know that that kind of indicate a a commercial operation and that's that's where you're talking i mean basically what you're talking about you have the sign by the road you're advertising you know you're gonna get away with it if somebody says hey you know i know you got an airplane and and I, you know, I know that you know. Can you take a picture of this next time you're up? Here's two hundred bucks. I mean, how's that ever going? How's that ever going to get caught? Yeah. And Nobody's you know, you're not know. endangering yeah. anyone. They, they you're no not endangering anyone. That. No, that yeah. that's I think where they would draw the line, right? Yeah, and then yeah. I, obviously, if you're yeah. running like advertisements saying, "Hey, I'll take a photo of your house," or whatever, that I think you've clear, clearly crossed the line then too. You're right. violating it then, if, unless you're commercially, unless you have all the commercial stuff set up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Having having a commercial license doesn't necessarily mean you can just go do everything commercial too. A lot of times, the plane has to be set up for it, the insurance has to be set up for it. There's a lot of other factors uh, with that regard as well. Oh yeah, I mean, just think of the insurance. Yeah, just the insurance aspect alone right. would do you in. Moving on to Part C, a private pilot may not pay less than the pro rata share of the operating expenses of a flight with passengers, provided the expenses involve only fuel, oil, airplane expenditures, or rental fees. This is basically, um, if you you can split the costs with people you're taking flying uh, when you go somewhere, but you, you've got to be paying just as much as anybody else. Is that how you, how you guys would sum it up? Well, you can't pay you. They can't pay more than you than half the operating yes. cost, right? Well, if you had four people, you'd be twenty five a piece. Yeah. Well, no, divided by four. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see. But I'm saying, yeah. Well, no. The the way I think, if I if I understood you, uh, I mean, they can't pay more than you. Yeah. 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 I thought you were only allowed to. I thought they weren't allowed to pay more than fifty percent. Well, in in your plane, that's always the case because you only have two seats in it. Yes. If you're yeah. like a if you're like a okay. Saratoga, yes, and you got then five other people. You can split. Yeah, you got four other people ways. in there. You know, you can yeah. each do twenty percent then. Yeah, and and still, I think be in compliance with yeah with sixty one point one one three C. Again, with that, I, I mm-hmm. think there's there's probably a lot of gray area in there too because 
who's deciding what the operating cost of your aircraft it's is. It's debatable, you know, yeah. How much are you paying Especially for when maintenance? you own it. You know, well, you could. Well, yeah, but here's the thing, though. That's why it says the expenses there. only involve fuel, oil, yeah, airport expenditures, yeah. or rental fees. Oh, okay. Whatever, no whatever your fuel there. burn yeah. was, whatever your oil okay. burn was, yeah. Ramp fees, landing fees. Yeah. Or obviously, Again, if you have rental, who, if you're renting the plane, that's, yeah, a, that's a cut and dry. That's why they end that with rental fees. It's cut and dry. Whatever the rental fee is, you just dev- you can divide it between. Yes. Right. Uh, Right. And there I have heard of individuals uh, in specific instances um, develop the LLC, set their rental rates, rent the airplane from themselves for, you know, whatever, uh, 300 bucks an hour and charge that and almost be making money. So that's kind of, you know, your pseudo or your 134 and a half operators. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And there's always a way somebody's doing it. And again, you know, it's down here in the lower 48. It's one thing, but up in Alaska, I mean, they're very creative huh. and they have to be. It's the only way to get around most places. Yeah. Half of this stuff is written, you know, to spell things out for them. You know, that's a lot of go around though. I mean, a commercial license isn't that hard to get. Yeah. You might as well just get your commercial license. If you're going to be doing it all the time, LLCs overcharging, well, technically making money off of the rental, but not what you're flying. It seems like a lot of run around to just take a private check or commercial check ride. Well, yeah, but remember we're trying to move passengers, so that's a one thirty five operating okay. certificate. So they, it's not they just want, a commercial license. Oh, you're you're also skating around the one thirty five yeah, too. Which is yeah. significant it, cost. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a that's gotta be a pain to get. So Yeah. I don't really know, but I'm sure it's not easy. Oh, no. Even if you're just, you know, paying to have somebody yeah. build you one, you know, and you just kind of fill in the dots with your information. I mean, it's still $6,000 in time. You know, to these people, yeah. you know, you, you picture, you know, the lodge, you know, like there's a there's a lodge that owns, you know, uh Uh, another lodge you know on another lake you know so you're going to transport people from one lodge to another right and we have a to have one beaver or whatever and all of a sudden these people don't want to go to that other lodge they want to go to this other lake you know so now it's a it's a rarity but they're going to find a way to make that money and i don't blame them you know, I don't want to pick on, I don't want to pick on anyone, but you can just, your mind can go crazy with all the different scenarios that could pop up that still for them doesn't justify developing a 135. Yeah. No. It's, Does that make I'm sense? Sure or you guys think I'm where... off base? What do you think? Yeah. No, all right. It makes sense. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Probably yeah. wouldn't advise it, but <laughs> yeah, it's going on a lot. Yeah, for, yeah, for that. I mean, they they say like I don't know. I, I heard statistics, and I don't want to embellish too much. And of course, it's just you know third person or whatever. But um, like, there's a ton of commercial operations. I mean, a staggering, like seventy five percent, something like that. A very high percentage of commercial operations take place hmm. without a commercial pilot conducting them. It's a staggering number to us in the lower 48. But when you dig into the regs like we are right now and you find all these like Easter eggs and that that's where all that percentage comes little, from. And you can stretch everything. And I'm sure they have oh, yeah, their FAA. And yeah, their FISDO up there, their Flight Standards District Office. They, they know it's just a different world, you know. 
they have a different interpretation of some of the regs yeah. that to us things are like, oh, cut and dried. Like, no, you can't do that. Or yes, you can do that. They may things that we're like, hell no. They're like, um, yeah, there's there's no other way to get that done in this case. Uh, you know, I don't know, but it's a different. It's the wild, wild west up there because it has to be. They have to get things done. Yeah, I didn't think of any of that when I was going through this for prep. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah, well, we're just rolling yeah. with it. All right, part D, a private pilot may act as pilot in command of a charitable, nonprofit, or community event flight described in 91.146 if the sponsor and pilot comply with the requirements of 91.146. I believe, Lee, you looked this up. Yeah, yeah, got a pretty good grasp on it. So ninety-one one forty-six. So that's nine part ninety-one, which is just our general operating rules. And then, of course, uh, paragraph one forty-six or section one forty-six, rather. Um, and it just goes on to kind of outline um, pretty much what you need to have in order to be considered this charitable or nonprofit or community event. It just spells it out. It's pretty self-explanatory there, right? Right in the uh, sixty-one one thirteen uh, uh, paragraph or section. But they go on to outline it just like uh, the FAA does. And they're basically saying it, you can't, you don't really want to BS this one too much. You know, it has to be a recognized, you know, uh, like a tax exempt, exempt type um, uh, entity, you know, uh, recognized by the IRS and the U.S. Treasury uh, that you're conducting these fundraising activities for. So, you know, so you're thinking, you know, uh, make a wish foundation type stuff for a specific uh, hospital or, you know, healthcare system, uh, in boy scouts, you know, uh, the EAA has the young Eagles. Um, I'm sure there's a million more women in aviation have, have some uh, events, um, various pancake breakfast, the EAA chapter in general, all these entities. Um, that's about all I can think of for those types of entities. I mean, I think that kind of broadly covers it. Can you guys think of anything else like a that's tax exempt or something more than I would have thought of? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, you know, if you're yeah, doing something no. for like a community and there's in this, this is where I think the community aspect can be pretty, I mean, LLCs can create all kinds of stuff, you know? So if you're doing like a community advocacy thing or, or something like that, um, you, you can kind of go wild with it and probably get away with writing off a lot of your expenses. But uh, just because you took the neighbor kid for a plane ride, you know, it's it's yeah. it's crazy. But there's stipulations in there. You know, what size airplane, you know, kind of they're putting a scope on on they don't they don't want you abusing it. They want to try and make his, you know, uh, put the um, the bullet points on there. So it's it's harder for you to uh, find these loopholes. They're putting a restriction on the size of the airplane. They're putting a restriction on how far you can go. You know, you need to start and stop from the same airport that you originated. Um, um, there can be no intermediate airports. You have to start at one airport and you need to end, you need to land at that same exact airport with that people, with those people or whatever. It's case basically may be. airplane ride. You can't transport. Yeah. Them. They're defining yeah. what you would find yeah. later on or in an LO a letter of authorization from the FAA on a, like what's called a ride letter. If you're going to be just, you know, somebody giving uh, biplane rides, at a local airport, yeah. that is a lot of the same stuff you would have spelled out for that so that you are in a kind of in a, a contained, you know, segment of, of the regulations um, so that you're not doing any, you know, part 135 work without a part 135 certificate. And this here is just a lot of that information is gleaned right here from the 91-146. Um, 
that's about all. I mean, unless you have like more that you want that's, to ask on it specifically. Well, I think that covers it. And that one there. All right. Uh, part okay, E, cool. a private pilot may be reimbursed for aircraft operating expenses that are directly related to search and location operations, provided the expenses involve only fuel, oil, airport expenditures, or rental fees, and the operation is sanctioned and under the direction and control of one, a local, state, or federal agency, or two, an organization that conducts search and location operations. Uh, this is basically little Jimmy gets lost in the woods or the desert or something, and they're getting out the search parties. Um, they can, you can volunteer, if they're looking mm-hmm. for volunteer pilots to, to help run search patterns and stuff, you can be fully compensated for that. Yeah. And, and we're in a great area up here, you know, in Ohio here, you know, with the, with the lake. I mean, there's a, there's a yeah. guy running a Mooney doing this um, for the Coast Guard. And okay. his, his call sign is Coast Guard Auxiliary. Super cool. I'm I'm really into this this section right here. I think it's super do, cool. Do they do they just pay his operating expenses or is he is he making a profit doing that? Well, you know, I think you can probably you can probably point to your you can make I mean maybe a little bit of money. Maybe a little bit of money, but it's spelled out here. You fuel, oil, airport expenditures, and rental fees. You know? Um so how far do you want to go with airport expenditures? Because me First biggest expense I'm thinking about is hangar rent. How much hangar rent am I am I am I writing off? Right? Can you you know? Yeah. Can they cover his whole yeah? Yeah. Can you do? Can you get that day? Can you get that month? Who know? Yeah. I don't don't know. You know? That's get the whole year. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. You don't know. I guess it depends on how much you're using it. I mean, but I mean the fact that fuel right there. Hey, I can I can point to a. uh, a takeoff power setting chart and say, Hey, this airplane burns 15 gallons an hour, even though on average it only burns 10. Yeah. I mean, you can start stretching it that way if you want to. I mean, that's not no yeah. way to get rich, but if you want to go, if you're going to go fly anyway, you like flying around, you want to get your expenses covered. It's one yeah. way to do it. Yeah. That's what I think. But I mean, it doesn't sound like they're doing, I mean, this spells it out pretty good here, but it doesn't sound like he's just going up and down the shoreline on nice days. You know, I don't. I don't think you're squeezing enough money out here on a technicality to cover for a Mooney, anyway. Right, like over overall. Oh yeah, for sure. But if it helps, you know, bring your operating costs, you know, down by twenty percent. Yeah. Why not? I mean, you're not. What's the point of having? Yeah. So he's out there all the time doing it. No, nah, I haven't heard this guy. Even when there's, I am, you know, rarely on the same frequencies anymore. So I haven't heard him in years. So is this guy doing it all the time, but or is he is it back? In the, is he just doing it when somebody's it, um, missing? So he, it has to be like when they're searching for somebody, don't they? They can't just—they're not paying him to just search for in case maybe somebody's out there. Like there's got to be like a, a some sort of alert where they got search parties out, right? Well, I mean that would be up to whatever agreement he's got with his with the local Coast Guard, huh? He could just be saying he's scanning for or aircraft and or uh, boats in trouble in distress. Yeah, yeah, could be just like a like a lifeguard. <laughs> just yeah, but I mean, basically, in case there's somebody out there. Yeah, because these are. I mean, I have you know, I, I didn't pay to go ahead. I was gonna say he probably found a way to get his flying time and expenses covered. Yeah, and I mean. 
It's, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not it's not nothing because I mean, if he's gonna kind of fly that route anyways on his way to a pancake breakfast, kind of punch in, punch out, and then on the way home, punch in, punch out again, you know, yeah. get that hundred dollar hamburger or whatever stack of pancakes and get get a lot of it paid for. I guess I it, I guess I would think. What do you guys think? I would think it would just kind of depend on kind of the commanding officer of the local Coast Guard station that he's operating under. I think. I think Scott's going to be looking this up heavily to try to figure out how he yeah, can go fly his plane like around. a good idea. And not, not have to pay for it. <laughs> I hear right Scott's gears alley. turning. <laughs> yeah, free, free stuff is right up my alley. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense to me, though. It makes perfect sense to me. I'm, I'm all about it. I can see myself yeah. totally getting in on this when I'm, you know, like retired. Totally. I don't want to do it yeah, now. I, I don't want to be too scripted because I don't know. And this guy could be a retired Coast Guard coast guard vet you know what i mean well he could have a commercial license for all we know know? well that's also true but we're we're not talking i I guess i'm not necessarily talking about just the ability to do it i'm talking about getting it paid for the ability to get it paid for yeah Yeah. that's that's what i'm yeah as far as part e here is spelled out yeah that yeah yeah i mean yes yeah obviously you know the section we're talking or the paragraph we're talking about you know is is about the private pilot but i was talking more about getting it paid for yeah uh, somewhat or some of it paid for legally Hmm. so yeah i guess i kind of went off the rails there no worries part f a private pilot who is an aircraft salesman and who has at least 200 hours of logged flight time may demonstrate an aircraft in flight to a prospective buyer I think that's pretty straightforward. Uh, this allows people not have to get a commercial to work as a like a Cessna salesman or a Piper salesman. Uh, as long as they have 200 hours, they can go take people up and you know demonstrate and give them test drives, test flies, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, part G, a private pilot who meets the requirements of 61.69 may act as a pilot in command of an aircraft towing a glider or unpowered ultralight vehicle. Uh, this basically spells out. It, this doesn't necessarily say that you can make money off of this. Um, it's basically just spelling out that as long as you comply with sixty-one point sixty-nine, you may uh, you, you can basically tow gliders up. But it, it's under the it's under yeah. that B through H that they spell an A. That so makes it, it makes it sound like you can yeah. have your expenses covered, possibly. How would you interpret that? Uh, they're, no, they're not talking about expenses. Because if you look at each one, uh, so under your um, per rate of share C, it spells out expenses. Under paragraph E, or uh, section E, again, it spells out your expenses. It's not spelling yeah. out expenses here under G. Just saying you can do it. Just saying you can do it. So it's something that if you're a commercial pilot, you can get paid to do it. They're saying if you're a private pilot, you can just do okay. it. Okay, as, yeah, as long if as that makes sense. Sixty-one point sixty-nine. Uh, mm-hmm. H. A private mm-hmm. pilot may act as a pilot in command for the purpose of conducting a production flight test in a light sport aircraft intended for certification in the light sport category under twenty-one point one ninety of this chapter, uh, provided that the aircraft is a powered parachute or a weight shift control aircraft. Uh, the person has at least 100 hours of pilot and command time in the category and class of aircraft flown, and three, the person is familiar with the processes and procedures applicable to the conduct 
of production flight testing to include operations conducted under a special flight permit and any associated operating limitations. Uh, I believe this is my guess, which I'm guessing here, is this is normally like in airplanes or helicopters, gliders. You'd have to be a commercial pilot to do this type of stuff. But the I know weight shift control and power parachute, the highest rating you can get in those is private pilot. They don't have a commercial rating in those. So they I'm guessing they added that in so that you're required to have like the highest level rating to to do that. That yeah, it kind of seems like it's more of like, a, like a retroactive <laughs> type regulation, right? That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Probably a pretty uncommon thing that anybody's gonna have to deal with. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you got to think all this stuff started in the backyard. I took a lesson from a guy um, about two, how long ago was it? Two or three years ago, I feel like. Probably two, yeah. That I took that powered parachute lesson up up around Orlando. Yeah. And um, he was telling me, we're we're talking about, because I said, if I go, if I do this, which I still probably do at some point because it was fun. uh, I go, if I want to do this, I want to just go straight to the private because I already have a commercial CFI. You know, I just... I want to do an add on to my private. I don't want to bother with any of the, the sport certificate. And he, yeah, he yeah. said, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, I'm sure it's changed now, but as of two, three years ago, he said that there's only like 10 or 20 private pilot rated, uh, power parachute people like in the States, like registered. It was some extraordinarily low like, number. So if you're not private pilot rated, how do you legally fly those just under a recreational or sport pilot? Yeah, it's they're they're light they're considered light sport. Okay. Um they got the light sport letters. Okay. On them. They, like the lettering they, that says light even sport. Be, I don't know what they weigh, but they're probably in the, the same weight class as like an ultralight, right? Is that you still a class anymore? I, saw, I thought that kind Oh yeah, one oh three? Okay. Oh yeah, one oh three for sure. Okay, it's a, this this particular model we were flying. Uh, was like a Airhawk had that Rotex nine twelve on it. I think it was a, what? Uh, That's a hundred horsepower. Yeah, it was thing went up and well, that that's probably above the weight for an ultralight. Then that's going to be it was heavier. A two pa- than it was a two I passenger. Um, had the nine twelve yeah. Rotex on it, and this is a powered parachute. Yeah, two passenger powered parachute thing was like a rocket ship when you, you throttle down. Like, it's like you're looking at the sky going up. I've seen some big ones. Well, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, the power to weight ratio is crazy. Yeah, ultralights in general, their takeoff and landing performance is incredible. I mean, you're, they're doing a thousand feet a minute, which, yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot to a lot of people. But what you got to think a J3 Cub or a Cessna 150, you're happy to get 600 feet a minute, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to go anywhere fast, but you can get up to altitude quick. So, so hold on. So, the did this thing have wheels? It was just kind of like the trike thing, or what yeah, was it? it I'm picturing you're like running to take. No, off. that's um, powered paragliding. Is okay, which is a powered yeah, parachute. powered parachute. No, was powered par- powered parachute. What are you talking is, about? Uh, it's it's like a trike. You have a an N number registration, and it's like. The one, the one I flew has two seats on it. Was it like a hang glider? It's it had a parachute. Hang glider over top. It's like a trike powered parachute thing. That I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look it up again. I'm gonna have to look it up again. I mean, I looked it up back then. 
I'll put a. I'll put a. Well, I've seen all kinds of stuff, but I want to make sure I'll, I'm thinking. I'll put a the same photo. Like I have a. I believe if I, in my iPhone still I have a photo uh, or photos of the exact one on the day I flew it. Uh, I will. I, if I find okay. it, I'll put it in the show notes. If you had to guess, how much do you think it weighed? I have no idea. I remember he was trying to, to sell me a new one, a brand new one. Order it would have been like just over twenty five grand option the way I wanted it. Well, I mean, it's actually kind of a bargain when you, bargain when you think about how how much that engine yeah. costs by itself. I mean, that engine is or that engine is probably now those might be detuned for less power and more reliability and stuff like that because I don't think you need a hundred horsepower and that's what your one fifty would have. But um, maybe it does. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, that's like an eighteen thousand dollar engine. Really? Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, think what a oh two hundred off a one fifty cost you yeah. know to buy. Yeah. Twenty eighteen, twenty thousand dollars. So, you know, now you're talking, you know, a state of the art, you know, engine that wasn't developed in the forties. You know, totally different. But that that's very interesting because I mean, the the weight limit for the Part One Hundred Three Ultralights, the actual bona fide ultralights, not just the ultralight looking stuff, but the ultralight class, is two hundred fifty four pounds empty weight. Okay. So, I mean, I gotta. Th- Think, yeah, can you imagine? It was, it wasn't, you can't have a whole lot going on there. It was, I, I imagine that engine was an ultralight, it was considered light sport. No, 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 I know that, that's no. that's what I that's what I was saying. Well, yeah, you can certify light sport and you can be, but some of the powered, go ahead. some of the powered parachutes I would imagine are light enough to be considered ultralight, I would assume, but I don't know. Probably this thing was the beefiest, best you could get at the time, maybe still is, I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly how all the um, stuff works out for, for the ultralight, you know, but this one has to be a single occupant, you know, under part 103 it has to be one person for the ultra, the ultralight. So, yeah, and I know you said that this is like sport. So, I mean, you're, you're right. You're, you're hundred percent right. I'm validating what you're saying. It's just odd to me. Yeah. And I don't know all these other, you know, weight shift control, all this stuff. I don't know anything about all that. You know, you're, you're kind of the expert on that, but. Uh, that's that's interesting though, interesting yeah. stuff. But um, all right, part yeah. part I. Uh, this is the last section. A private pilot may act as pilot in command of an aircraft without holding a medical certificate issued under Part sixty seven of this chapter, provided the pilot holds a valid U.S. driver's license, meets the requirements of sixty one point two three C three, and complies with this section and all of the following conditions and limitations. Um, we'll just go through three of them. One, the aircraft is authorized to carry not more than six occupants, has a maximum takeoff weight of not more than 6,000 pounds, and is operated with no more than five passengers on board. And the flight, including each portion of the flight, is not carried out at an altitude that is more than 18,000 feet above mean sea level, which would be Class A airspace outside of the United States unless authorized by the country in which the flight is conducted or at an indicated airspeed exceeding 250 knots. And the pilot has available the logbook uh, that has the completed medical examination checklist required under 68.7 of this chapter and the certificate of course completion required under 61.23C3. Scott, you're actually the only one of the three of us has actually dealt with any of this. Yes. So this is, this is what they call basic med. Uh, so you can just go online and, and it, 
I used uh, AOPA. I think there's some other ones available, but the AOPA has a, a course. You just basically watch videos and then answer questions. And once you pass that, you get the certificate. And then uh, there's a checklist of different uh, medical conditions. Uh, what's the word for it? Like, okay. like get a, you got to get a physical, basically. Uh, and then your doctor has to check off everything that is good but you can get it the difference is you can go to any doctor you don't have to go to a medical examiner is that the is that the main benefit not having to go to a designated medical examiner for flight yeah i think so uh it's 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 easier i uh, if you have most you know most insurance uh, health insurance policies will give you one free medical a year, uh, free uh, physical a year, so you don't have to pay anything for it if you have health insurance. As where if you go and get a, a flight, okay. Uh, so like I, I go get a first or second class uh, once a year. Yeah. I'm paying that out of pocket. Where this is this is just included. Yeah, you're gonna have to pay for that if you if you get this. If you have health insurance, it's you can just get it. It's just okay. covered as a physical. So, uh, basically, all it is is a, a regular physical from your doctor. And it's not it, not in your situation uh, particularly, but there's ways where there's situations where as long as you haven't failed your medical and you can comply with this, you can sometimes comply with this. Lee, do you know do you know what I'm getting at? I mean, I, no, run run that past me again. I, I guess I didn't really understand what you're getting at. Is this the one where you can? Um, Basically, as long as you don't fail a medical certificate, but you might not necessarily be able to pass one, you can continue flying uh, as long as you comply with this stuff instead of actually getting a flight physical. Uh, well, I think you're th- I think you're blending the two together. I think that's a light sport that you're talking about. Okay. If you were told, like, is. let's say, one year- go ahead. If you uh, if if you fail a, a a regular medical, I don't know that you can get the basic med. But if you if you don't think you can pass the the regular one and you just go basic med, I think you're you're good then. But is in theory could be a loophole to keep a medical longer than you otherwise would be able to do. Yeah. In in this thing, you know, it's it's any uh, licensed physician in the U.S. that can do it. So, you know, you you can probably find a, a pretty uh, lax doctor somewhere if you know that you're not probably going to pass the designated medical examiner's check. You know, you could probably find somebody that will well, pass and you there's on also designated, You know, medical examiners, you know, AMEs is what they're called, aviation medical examiners. Um, they, I mean, there's some of them, okay. you know, it's, there's, you know, can be out there kind of on the fringes of legal, you know what I mean? So, oh yeah, <laughs> there's there's definitely I I know a guy that will pretty much pass anybody. Oh yeah, I know people oh, yeah. that use him yeah, for that reason for sure. But so I mean, I guess it's yeah. So the the basic med from yeah. like what I see yeah. though, or what I'm thinking, I'm I'm trying to kind of comb through uh, the part sixty uh, part sixty seven right now. But it seems to me if I can go online and do the coursework, then print out kind of your checklist, right, Scott? Yep. And then go through. So you're gonna print out your checklist, yep, and then you're kind of you're gonna, you're gonna you, answer the questions. You know, any you know uh, alcohol dependency, no, and stuff like that, right? 
those types of questions, hay fever, right. nausea. Yeah. 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 You, you fill out your part and then you give the, the doctor his part and he, so he basically, out, so you're going to, uh, you're going to say what go. you think they're going to verify and validate that that is correct by giving you a physical. Right. Yep. And then, then you're good to go. Yeah. So it's, and it can be, it can be done by any licensed physician in the United States. So like, I know a guy that went to the chiropractor down the road here because he's a licensed wow. physician. So, <laughs> well, I mean, that's good. I mean, it's good to have people keep people flying for sure. I am all about that. Um, I guess one thing yeah. that I would, that I would wonder though, is if, you know, I was looking at part 67, which is the medical certificate requirements. If you have failed it, that's that's really what I want to know, and I think that's what everybody would, would really wants to know is I because under the light sport, if you went one year and they said, oh, you know, next year, you know, whatever, we're going to need to think about something different or whatever phraseology they may have used to kind of let you know, hey, this is probably your last one, and because they know, they know there's other at the time there were other alternatives, um, <clears throat> yeah. If they if they knew it was getting close, you knew it was getting close, and so you're just like, you know, I'm not going to go back to my AME this year. I'm going to go light sport, so I don't have a failed. Yeah, so I don't have a failed. Now no there are people, or, you know, that yeah. I know that you know very you know very close to my family who have um they've gotten denied a medical uh, diabetes was, was is one one scenario. Um, they've got diabetes, so they failed their medical. And then they've adjusted, you know, they, they've done whatever they need to do without diabetes. I'm not an expert. I don't know anything, but they've got it cleared up and they have now gotten. So even though they failed one once, they've gotten their medical back. They've proven and they've, they've met the criteria and the qualifications for the third class medical. And that kind of that starts your clock over. I know that probably is redundant to say, but. Then that that's basically you could just that'd be the only one you'd have to take ever again because the last the technically the most recent one you've done you haven't failed and that's all the regs say so then from that point forward you could just do the light sport thing light sport or you know the basic med but chances are the I mean I don't know what questions are on there Scott you're the you're the you're the only one who's done it so I don't know yeah what's the course yeah it, well it's it's pretty easy and if you miss a question you can just go back and rewatch the video again. So, no, no, I mean on the exam that the physician is going to give you. Oh, for the exam. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean what everybody's worried about is the actual would, physical exam. You know, right? I'd, I'd have to I'd have to look it up again cuz I don't really remember what's on it. There was probably 15 or 20 questions or so, yeah. but it was nothing too you know, it's not too serious. Well, I mean, so it's pretty easy to I do. I mean, do you remember anything about any kind of no-brainer disqualifying things? Does anything stand out to you at all? You I mean, not really. No, I mean, it's pretty much up to your doctor. Like, he's no. gonna check it off if as yeah. long as you pass, if, as long as you can pass a physical. Basically, that's you know, yeah. If you can pass a physical without your doctor yeah. saying, "I think you're gonna have a heart attack soon," you know, <laughs> you you're pretty much good to go uh you know as long as your doctor doesn't think that you're gonna right pass out or you know have a heart attack or stroke or something it's 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 really going to be up to your doctor because if you obviously if he checks no on one of those boxes then you you can't but 
So do we think that, I mean, I know this is getting into, do we have time, Rob? What we got? Yeah. Okay. We're under an I, hour still. Okay. I know this is getting in more towards the basic med and the light sport stuff, but has this improved going to the basic med? Has it improved the safety of whoever we're, the FA is trying to keep safe by going from the light sport? Hey, as long as you haven't failed one, you're good. Or if, as long as you didn't fail the last one, you're good. Now going to the basic med, what, what is safer? What do you guys think is safer? Because that's the that's what's brought light sport about, and that's what's brought basic med about. What keeps the general public safer from probably, people? Probably still still going into a doctor at some level, even if they're not an, an aviation medical examiner, is probably better than not just going off your driver's license where they're checking your eyes and at the DMV. Yeah, but the, you also have yeah, to factor in. Probably. You also have to factor in under light sport. What airplane can you fly? Two, two passengers, 1,300 pounds, 1,320 to be exact. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Maximum yeah, basic speed. basic med gives you more flexibility than, than light sport does. A lot more. I mean, you can you can fly real airplanes more, yeah. under basic med. Oh, yeah. You can do most, you know, most of the stuff that a private pilot was going to do. Like you said, you yeah. have to run your Malibu still, for example, yeah. which is a right. pretty substantial airplane, in my opinion, for... Yeah, I mean, for the for the GA guy, I mean, it pretty much allows you to basically fly part night or you know uh, GA just like you always did. There's no change really. Yeah. So my that's that's kind of my thing. You know, you can go. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is getting a little dark, but you can go crash in Malibu with six people in it at 200 knots under basic med. Yeah. Yep. Where under light sport, yeah, you you knew you probably weren't going to pass that last physical, so you just didn't take it. You know, you're op- flying this airplane under, you know, just your driver's license, basically. But you're only going to drag down one person with you. And you're only going to hit the ground going 140 I mean, looking, at most. Looking at it from a reasonable, okay. you know, just if you, you know, if you have a van with six people in it and you have a heart attack and pass out, what's the difference? You know, you're driving down the highway at 75 mile an hour and you have a heart attack with your van with six people in it. You know, what's the, what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Maybe. You're allowed to do that. So why wouldn't you be allowed to fly an airplane? Oh, I, uh, I mean, I guess I, I'm not going to argue that that's a bad thing. I'm trying to say what, yeah. what are, I guess my question is more back to what is safer for the general population. Yeah. A chiropractor said you were good to go. Yeah, <laughs> you said you're good to go. A chiropractor validated it. Now go get in your <laughs> Malibu and kill six people, or nobody said anything. Well, yeah, you only you know how bad your health is, but you can only go fly a two two person airplane at 120 knots. I said 140 a minute ago, but 120 is the limit in level flight. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting debate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I'm tending to think that keep them in a smaller, slower airplane because I it, always you know. I always just err on the side of more more freedom for for the people. But yeah, that that can come as, with negative downsides, obviously. So you're saying the more freedom would be basically let them fly what they were flying yesterday. At least a physician looked at them. Yeah, like the basic med, right? Yeah. 
So you're tending to think the basic med is the right direction for keeping people flying while not infringing on on their what they're you know allowed to do. Yeah, keep people flying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think I think the safer course is probably the light sport, keep them in something small. But that bubble's popped with basic med. I mean, light sports were going to be the 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 savior to general aviation. Yeah. You know, but they came out they're all $150,000 or more. Yeah, but now you can Now you're in basic med, med and yeah. that Cherokee that you've been flying since 1968, you can still keep flying it, that Cherokee 6, whatever. You can have real airplanes go real places at real speeds. And, you know, it really just doesn't infringe on you much at all. You know, this picture, there's so many airports. I guess, it's just, you, you do have to, you do have to get a, an FAA medical certificate before you can get a basic med. It's just, it basically doesn't expire. You know, you could have gotten your, your medical certificate 10 years ago, as long as you keep renewing through basic med. So you can't, you can't go get your private pilot's license and say, Oh, I'm just going to go basic med. You, you still have to get an FAA medical certificate first. Just like you did with uh, the light sport. AME. I, Oh, maybe the light. Yeah. So hold on. You, so you have the, to get uh, under basic med. You still have to get an FAA medical c- certificate from an AME first. At some point, yeah. It's just okay. when you, yeah, when when that expires, then you can go basic med. And that makes, so as long as you have had a medical examination from an AME at, at one point in time, then you can start going basic med after that. That makes sense. But so, if, what do we think about a, the sport pilot though? Do you, can you go right out of the gate and go straight to just flying off a driver's license? Now that you're saying it that way, I think you can under a light sport. I don't think you ever have to do. Yeah, I'm not sure. Rob, do you know? I don't know, but that, that sounds correct to me what you just said. Uh, from- so it sounds like, so basic med is more to the point, which is what we want, which is, hey, you were flying before. You proved that you were in, you know, good health. You met all the medical requirements at some point in the past. We want to keep you flying. I believe it sounds like that is right to the heart of the the thing with the basic. Med. I think a lot of people get yeah. now J three yeah. Cubs because it fall. It's like a real old school airplane. It falls into the category of light sport, though, um, and for medical advantages. Like if someone can't pass a regular medical, I, I feel like I've. Some people right. are doing it that way from what I've heard. And that is and that is what kept the values of a lot of those airplanes high. Now you have some very undervalued airplanes like your Taylor Craft BC-12Ds and Aronka uh, Champs and Aronka Chiefs, you know, that are, are under the weight limit and are a lot of airplane for the money. But, you know, J3s being the iconic, you know, airplane, you know, of that era, um, they, that was artificially, in my opinion, artificially, I love them, but it was keeping the values high compared to what they're worth. I mean, they're in the segment. They're basically the slowest thing in the segment, you know, for, you know, for horsepower to horsepower, but it was keeping them high, you know, and the value of them has come down. Now that basic med on actual realistic solution, you know, you got to think you have a, a guy who can't pass a medical. So he was flying a Cirrus yesterday. You're saying he has to sell a Cirrus or whatever, and then get into an Aranka chief champ or a J three. That's not going to, that's not going to pan out, I wouldn't think, for a lot of people. That is a completely different aviation experience in every sense of the word. Yeah. I, I don't think that uh, is... Yeah, they're used to it. What's that? 
if you're used to flying something bigger and you want to stay in that, you're not going to be happy with something that's only light sport. Yeah, I mean, the, the the objective, you know, yeah, a lot of us are, you know, we want to go fly for fun. But the objective with an airplane is to typically get somewhere faster than driving. A J3 is not the way to do that. No. No, it's not going to get you anywhere much faster than driving will. Yeah, so I think I think the basic med it so- seems to me from you know what I've learned with this conversation we've just had, the basic med is is a home run for the for the private pilot. Yeah. Compared to yeah. the light sport and the uh, sport pilot uh, certificate. Yep. Uh, when you hit that age, I'm sure we start having medical problems. Whatever is going to keep me flying longer, I uh, I support. <laughs> yeah, and flying a real airplane. Yeah, I guess is is what it boils down to to me. All right, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, nope. I just I just did it because. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I just did basic med because I know I'm not going to fly commercially and I can, I can do it a lot quicker and easier. You know, I, I can drive to my doctor that's, that's five minutes from my house and get done easily and for free. So, and that's a big consideration. That's a big consideration because the demographic that I keep, that I tend to keep in mind is a little bit older. They've owned their airplane since the seventies or earlier, you know, and they're getting to the place where the medical is harder and harder to get each year and they're on various medications and they do have different health issues going on. Um, we don't want to stop them from flying, you know, but the, they're on fixed income. The expense of this does matter. You know, they're already paying so much out of pocket for other healthcare issues. Um, I mean, if they can claim one more thing on their insurance that the $150, uh, you know, bill going to the, their, uh, AME, if they can save that, that's an hour of flight time. Right. Scott pretends that he's on a fixed income. Yep. <laughs> well, that's one way to get rid of I do. I put myself on a fixed income. Well, yeah. good for you. All right. I don't, I don't give myself very much money. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll wrap this up here. Uh, this should be the first one. Um, hopefully, by the time this is released, we will be in uh, Apple iTunes. Um, so, yeah, we're going for the... Shh, don't tell Tim Cook in case he's listening. We're trying to, to get the system to put us on the new and noteworthy. So we need a bunch of good reviews. Uh, so check that out if you are on an iPhone listening to this. Uh, best way to get a hold of us is email. It's uh, mine is F-A-R-A-I-M at robertberger.com, B-E-R-G-E-R. Uh, Lee is F-A-R-A-I-M at leegriffing.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G. Uh, that's where you send all the technical questions. And then F-A-R-A-I-M at scottboris.com, B-O-R-E-S. Uh, that is where you send any complaints. And uh, like I said, like I said, yes, uh, check us out. If you're listening to this on iPhone, Go in there, subscribe, do the reviewing thing, be hounding you that for the next episode for like eight weeks while we're trying to promote the podcast. Do you guys have uh, any anything to wrap it up with? No, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, all righty, then. We'll see yeah. you on the next yeah. one. Thanks for listening. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah.